I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Moving a rare disease therapy from the lab to the marketplace requires patients willing to participate in clinical trials that can demonstrate its safety and efficacy. But given the small number of people who may have a specific rare disease, finding these patients can slow the development of new therapies and create a barrier to getting treatments to patients who need them. We spoke to Sandra Spielberg, CEO of Seeker Health, about the challenges drug companies face finding patients for rare disease drug trials, our firm's efforts to combat that with its rare patient database, and how the use of social media is changing the way drug developers connect with rare disease patients. Sandra, thanks for joining us. Great, thank you. We're going to talk about your company, Seeker Health, as well as a project it has to connect rare disease patients to clinical trials. Perhaps we can start with Seeker Health itself. What is Seeker Health and why did you create it? Seeker Health is a company devoted to harnessing the power of technology and social media to accelerate the development of treatment and ultimately to improve the health of people around the world. I created Seeker Health because during the last decade, while I worked for several drug developers, I had two epiphanies all at once. So the first was that nothing happens without patients. A drug developer may have a great drug, a really solid protocol, very talented clinicians, but if the patients aren't there to actually enroll in the clinical study, nothing gets done. Um, And yet, many drug developers struggle to find all the patients that they need to complete their clinical trials. The second epiphany was that many patients don't really have an efficient method for finding out about clinical trials. So when connecting these two sort of thoughts, what came together was that we have now the technology to connect patients to clinical trials. We can find patients exactly what they are, which is online, um, actually primarily on Facebook, and we can intersect them with information that can be useful to them in terms of their condition and can then help a company enroll the clinical trial. Well, so that's why I started Seeker Health. Well, your, a lot of your effort has been focused on connecting patients and, and clinical trials using uh, the rare patient database, a, a universal opt-in database of people with rare diseases. You talked about the problem that both drug developers and, and patients face around clinical trials, but Let's get a little deeper on that. From a patient perspective, what problem is this addressing? Why is it so difficult for them to learn about clinical trials? Yes, patients often struggle to find information about clinical trials. And there are a couple of things that are going on to make that quite difficult, actually, for most patients. And I saw this firsthand when I worked directly with patients. Um, you know, both at Biomarin and Nora Therapeutics, it isn't always easy for a patient to find out about a clinical trial. These are the dynamics that are at play. So the first place that a patient may learn about a clinical study is from their own doctor. But the reality is that there are only a dozen of sites that participate on any given clinical trial. 
So unless as a patient you happen to be in one of those activated clinics, your doctor is unlikely to educate you on a trial that is going on at a different clinic, so maybe 20, 30 miles away, even though you may want to participate in that study. So that's one of the inefficiencies that are going on. The second place where patients often find out about clinical trials are patient advocacy organizations. And when they exist, these are a real lifesaver. They're a real source of support and information for patients to have tremendously dedicated staff that really go out of their way to educate their patients and keep them informed. However, consider that for many rare diseases, especially the ones that we work on, there aren't patient advocacy organizations that are fully organized, or if they are, they may only cover one geographic area, like the U.S. or the U.K. Most drug developers are interested in developing their drugs for global use, and especially many times their clinical trials will be located outside of the United States. So, you know, once again, there isn't, there's an inefficiency there. And also with patient advocacy organizations, our research tells us that about 40% of the patients prefer not to interact with a patient advocacy organization when there is one. Um, they just choose not to do it in the ways that, you know, are available to them. Third, there is the government website, clinicaltrials.gov. So this is a public website. All drug developers are required to post their studies on clinicaltrials.gov. However, I think we can all agree that it probably takes about a PhD degree to comprehend the information that is on this site. The information is quite technical. It isn't patient-friendly. And most importantly, as a patient, you don't get a notice. There isn't any way where you can say, please notify me when there is a new trial that is happening for this condition. The patient has to actively search the site day after day to find out if something new has been posted. And then finally, the last way that patients find out about studies is the way that we are trying to, you know, um, in a way, um, encourage them to do, which is using search engines or Facebook. So this is where we get excited. When a patient now goes online, and searches for their condition or a clinical trial for their condition, they're now leaving breadcrumbs for us to pick up so that we can eventually find them when there is a clinical trial available for their condition. I think of technology as being very empowering to particularly rare disease patients, but I gather there's still barriers that remain in terms of getting them connected to clinical trials or having them discover the, the availability of these, even in the in this new technology. What, what are some of the barriers that remain? I mean, yes, um, technology has enabled a lot of this, you know, what we're trying to do, this connection between patients and us using our methods to find them and then connecting them to the information that they need to manage their disease. However, there's so much more that remains to be done. There really are so many barriers. So, the information is still very much dispersed. There isn't really any kind of centralized way where a patient can, um, you know, register and say, I want to be informed about a clinical study. I mean, and this is what we're trying to do at Speaker Health. We're trying to create that platform where patients with serious diseases, including rare diseases, can register and we can keep them informed. And what we're doing, what we're trying to do is focus on the part of the problem that we think we can solve in the near future, which is for those rare diseases for which there is a trial that is happening now or in the next three years, 
that, you know, that, that will eventually need to find the patient. So in other words, we're not trying to collect a full database of every single rare disease if there isn't going to be a relatively immediate use for, uh, for those patients and also for those patients to get information on how to participate on the clinical study. So I think there's still a lot that needs to be done in terms of organizing this data, getting patients to sign up to something that will universally help them access the information that they need for clinical trials that are happening in the near future. Well, we, we talked about this from a, a patient perspective, but what about from the perspective of a drug developer? What, what are the challenges in finding patients for a clinical trial, particularly when it comes to ones focused on therapies for rare diseases? Yeah, so drug developers often struggle to find all the patients that they need. So when planning for a clinical trial, uh, when we focus on recruitment, there are a few opposing forces at play. So on one side, the companies would like to enroll patients as fast as possible, but on the other side, they only want to do so using a reasonable, num reasonable number of clinical trial sites. Because each clinical trial site that the company activates requires contracting, requires budget. So those two forces oppose each other, right? We'd like to go as fast as possible with the minimum number of clinical trial sites. So what we're trying to do at Seeker Health is challenge that paradigm and um, use technology and social media in particular to try to funnel as many patients as possible into the already activated sites. So we work directly with drug developers, we find out where their sites are, and then use the power of social media to find patients that may be uh, willing to, um, you know, to attend the, a new site, a new clinical trial site in order to participate in the clinical study. Now, for rare diseases, this is really important because, you know, there are very few physicians that take care of rare diseases. Many times these are genetic diseases where the patient gets diagnosed but then gets sent away for a period of time to manage their symptoms because there really isn't anything to treat that rare disease directly. So what we experience in a lot of these rare diseases is that many patients are lost to follow. They are not with a physician that may participate in the clinical trial. And therefore, our job at Seeker Health becomes to bring them back in, uh, bring them back in, get, give them, you know, educate them about the opportunity to participate in the clinical trial, and then obviously help the drug developers complete the enrollment in order to get the drug to the next phase of development and eventually approved if, you know, if the efficacy and the safety is there. Oh. Um, so from a drug developer, is is quite cumbersome because, you know, these are rare diseases. The patients are very spread out. And what we can do with the social media is begin to funnel them to where they can be um, of help to the drug developer in bringing the drug forward. Uh, how, how have drug developers, particularly for a, a rare disease clinical trial, gone about recruiting patients? Yeah, so traditionally it's been done primarily through the physicians, the um, drug developers spend quite a bit of time trying to find those physicians that seem to centralize a number of patients, even though they may not centralize, you know, very large number of patients. Uh, advocacy groups, when they exist, have also been very helpful in connecting to other patients that may not be in that geography of the physician that may be willing to travel or relocate to participate in the study. And then also traditionally um, and occasionally, companies have used traditional methods of advertising, things like radio ads or newspaper ads, 
these are tough for rare diseases because we're really trying to find a needle in a haystack and radio and newspaper are very um, mass media. Uh, they are not targeted media. And one of the things that we have really been able to take advantage of is with social media advertising, we can get very targeted. We can target down to a zip code. We can target um, down to a specific age group, gender. Um, so we can get very, very targeted and measure our efforts um, in a very targeted way as well. So how has this process evolved for a drug developer, particularly in, in the face of new technology? Yeah, so I think many drug developers are now exploring um, how they can use technology and social media in particular to um, accelerate the efforts. So, you know, for most of the companies that we work with, and these are primarily medium-sized to uh, small-sized biotech companies developing drugs for serious diseases, um, our efforts now account for 50 to 60% of their enrollment into a clinical study. So, you know, things are shifting, and those that have been on the forefront of understanding the type of work that can be done with social media in order to find patients are seeing great results and really accelerating the clinical study. Uh, one example I wanted to share is when I worked at NORA Therapeutics, we were enrolling a clinical study for recurrent miscarriage. And in that study, we used uh, Facebook in particular to attract women who had experienced recurrent miscarriages and educate them about this study. And then um, they could sign up to be screened into the study later on. And we found that 50% of those that enrolled into the study had come up, had come through this method, this new method. So, you know, this is, this is a very solid way to find patients to enroll into the clinical study. And, you know, primarily what I like about it, because my company is very patient-oriented, is that the patient is doing it of their own accord. We are sending them and we are showing them an ad on Facebook about a clinical study that may be relevant to them. We try to always use language that is not very, um, that doesn't, uh, sort of break the patient privacy in any way, but that describes what the study is, is going to be all about. If the patient is interested, they can click on the study. It's completely voluntary to click on the ad, and then they will be taken to a website where they will learn more about the study and also have the opportunity to answer a couple of questions and provide their contact information to be contacted about the next step, which would likely be screening or pre-screening into the study. So it's all voluntary, right? The, the patient gets a chance to say, here's the information that's relevant to me. I'm informed now, and I want to participate. Well, for people who do want to, <clears throat> excuse me, for people who do want to enroll in your database, what information are they asked to provide, and does it cost them anything? It doesn't cost anything. Everything that we do is completely free to the patient and will always be. And the information that we ask them to provide is primary information. So it's usually name, email address, phone number, where they live, so that we can um, use that information to usually help developers locate clinical trial sites as well. We, we use that information in the reverse. And usually they tell us what disease they're interested in um, so that we can put them in the right uh, database and then contact them when we have information about a clinical trial that's uh, enrolling in that particular condition. And once people join the database, 
how do they learn about new clinical trials? Yeah, so we use email primarily to uh, contact the patients back out. Um, sometimes we use phones. Since the patient has provided a phone number, we may do a phone campaign where we call all the patients and inform them about a clinical study. Um, at that point, whatever information we're informing them about is information that has gone through an IRB and has been approved as information that we can share with the patient uh, in terms of the clinical study. And in these email communications, there is always the opportunity to opt out. So at any time, the patient has the opportunity to say, I no longer wish to be part of this database. And that's very important to us because we, we like this to be, again, very patient-friendly, very respectful to a patient's privacy and stage, um, uh, you know, stage of their condition. And if at any point they would like to come out, they just opt out either through one of our emails or by emailing the company. And if they do that, what happens to their data? So their data gets goes to an opt-out database, and um, we cannot contact them anymore. <laughs> um, so now they've opted out. We, you know, primarily what we uh, database patients for is to communicate with them and to allow information to flow. And the information we want to flow is about clinical studies and when can you enroll and what can you enroll for. So if they don't wish to be contacted, then they will not be contacted. And are there any types of studies or diseases that you prioritize? So primarily we work on what I call serious diseases, right? So it includes most of the rare conditions, um, and it also includes other conditions that may not be rare, but they're serious. So I would say that about half of the work that we do is in oncology, so all types of cancers, many of them uh, with genetic mutations that make them more difficult to find or more difficult to um, screen for. And then the other 50% are the rare diseases that, you know, companies like Biomarin and Odentis and so forth um, generally go after. Ultimately, what are you hoping to accomplish with the database? What, are, what impact do you expect it to have on the development of rare therapies? Yeah, so we're going for improving health outcomes, and I believe that the way that that gets done is by uh, accelerating the enrollment um, and the development of these drugs, both for rare and serious diseases. So, you know, when you think about it, um, you know, to bring a drug to market, there is usually several years that are spent just enrolling that study. If we could cut that time by just a half, and we, we as a, you know, as an industry would be able to bring so many more drugs to market. We would be able to help so many more patients and innovation builds on innovation. So the minute that we can launch the first drug sooner, the second drug will be launched sooner too, right? The, the, the drug that builds upon that drug will be launched sooner too. So that's what we're after. I mean, that's the impact that I'm looking to make with this really accelerate the enrollment, very efficiently find these patients so that companies can um, develop these drugs um, and eventually we can improve health outcomes around the world. Sandra Spielberg, founder and CEO of Seeker Health. Sandra, thanks so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. 
You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com. <laughs>